0: Hello and welcome to our December CIO update. I'm Carsten Röhmheld, filling in for Richard Edgar. Earlier I spoke to Fidelity's chief investment officer, Andrew McCaffrey. As 2021 draws to a close, in this catch-up, we look ahead towards building for 2022, question the risks for policymakers in the year ahead, and discuss what impact the new Omicron variant might have on investments. Hello, Andrew. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Carsten. Very good to be with you. As we look ahead to the new year, how are markets looking? What impact do you think the emergence of the Omicron variant could have on investment outlooks in general.
1: So I think as we have come through these last few weeks that uh, it's been interesting to see maybe some of the froth that was uh, building in markets just being taken off. And obviously that was linked to seeing um, you know, this new COVID variant coming through and surprising uh, everyone as a risk. The reality as we look forward is that um, I feel that it's something that maybe introduces again some of that sort of stop start into economic activity puts a little bit more friction and barriers into uh, uh, you know how economies can get to run in full open mode, but also some of that friction that goes across different countries as they take different approaches to how to manage this and as the variant works its way across the world. So with that in mind, I think that there's a a couple of things very quickly that um, come through. One is that the impacts you see on some of the growth numbers that could come through from that a little bit in terms of that friction showing up again and keeping some of the inflationary pressures especially on the supply chain side in place and it would be very interesting to see how policy dynamics develop because we are at a point in time where we've had a slightly more hawkish developed market central bank conversation at the same time as fiscal policy has been remarkably expansive but has hidden a point that uh, you know, can that continue in such a vein and how does that support the demand profile uh, as we see some of these challenges around um, growth in the short term. And so I think it's a very interesting picture. And markets have had their reaction, as they taking taken a little bit of the froth out of them, especially in risk assets, but have actually recovered uh, reasonably well as they've got more insight to maybe the variant not having the prolonged impact. But what it does do is it means we then get back to some of the fundamental uh, elements um, of policy. And that, I think, is going to come back to the fore, which is, How is the Fed going to respond? Are they going to be as hawkish as they're talking at the moment? Does that mean rate policy really starts to change?
0: I want to go a bit deeper into that. And you mentioned central banks as a clearly as one of the major supports for the markets this year, there was an unprecedented wave of liquidity. And of course, central banks were uh, the initiators of that. They are facing a delicate balance now. The risks of policy errors increase by the day. So what are some of the scenarios that investors need to consider for the year
1: ahead? So one of the things that I think is very important is the degree to which, you know, is there a policy mistake already being um, in creation, which is the way in which inflation, having moved from this sense of that it will not last very long and actually uh, you know, resolve itself quite quickly into something that looks more persistent. And therefore, actually, should they have already been moving uh, earlier when we had uh, a much Greater dynamic in both the growth front um, and in terms of how markets generally were starting to to open up, versus where we stand now as. Per my comments a minute ago that actually more uncertainty and actually is it right to, to then see they move into a much more hawkish mode, just as actually some of the uh, tailwinds of the economy become headwinds. And I think this is where, when we look across the world, it's very interesting into 2022, because I think it's a very difficult balance for some of the developed markets and for you know, Federal Reserve and others uh, uh, and the ECB and the Bank of England. When you look across to uh, China, Actually, you have a central bank that's moving towards policy support and easing slightly. And we saw that when they eased off on their reserve requirements ratio. And that, I think, is going to be quite an interesting dynamic as well as we look to uh, to 22, where actually you might find a very different pitch to 21, where... China is being supportive in policy, that giving a little bit of a tailwind to, to markets, but also their growth is slowing and is continuing to slow. And actually the feedback loops the rest of the world is going to be quite challenging as monetary policy seem to be on balance tighter, but actually growth headwinds increasing. So quite a different stance on different ends
0: of the world with regards to central banks. But let's look to the U.S. a bit closer now. U.S. has been one of the leading equity markets in 2021. And before that, of course, as well, the consensus call is still to stick with the U.S. as the driving force of this recovery. But there remain big questions when it comes to the outlook for U.S. households and the economy in 2022. So what is the risk that the U.S. could fall behind after more than a decade
1: in top position? So I think it comes from a few places. First of all, is in that policy setting framework. And it's a, another part that I haven't touched on is that the US in 2022 is going to have midterm elections. So all of the sort of policy fiscal-wise, is going to be very much geared into what can be done in the first three to four months of the year, while I, before we basically go into what will be the electioneering um, process in full and, and likely to be a slowdown of, uh, of any real activity coming out of um, administration and out of the, uh, uh, the houses uh, in the US. And therefore, I sort of feel that uh, that's one where if we see anything that is fiscal policy orientated, you might get a little bit of burst as we go into uh, beginning of 22. Obviously, we've seen that in terms of what um, President Biden has been trying to move through Congress and, and get acceptance for that support, looking at infrastructure plans and broader um, support for the economy. But then we really hit uh, an interesting section, which is that monetary policy is unlikely to be supportive. Is it going to be as much of a headwind as we're seeing discussed in terms of those rate hikes and I think that could still be quite challenging because I think growth will be um, uh, tailing off and it's also what the consumer does if they see that there isn't that same level of very significant support we saw in 20 and 21 you know coming through and the degree to which actually they hold back a little bit more of their savings and they actually start to see that some of this growth dynamic just rolling back so When I look to markets, I think, again, it comes back to, you know, will we have the same sort of tailwinds or actually are they just developing headwinds? And if they're developing headwinds and the fact that the market development and and real um, gains have been driven by such few companies, If those start to to be challenged by that environment and we see any change in in sentiment starting to build about the ability to generate the strength of earnings, to have that underlying momentum in the economy, to also not have some of the regulatory challenges, that they stay quite low, but they may be resurrected for some of the technology companies, because it's still very much where there is a clearly combination of Republican-Democratic support for, then you could find that it becomes a very difficult period for the U.S. to keep up that level of momentum. And momentum is key. If they lose that, then I think there's going to be a very much a review and money moving back from the U.S. either to home from where it came from for investors or looking for those places where there's much more supportive policy um, for the year ahead.
0: So it could come to a more challenging outlook for the U.S. in the year ahead. And if we look at the other end of the spectrum, a country which has had more challenges this year with a regulatory backdrop is China. How do you think um, the current backdrop is changing the mid to longer term outlook for China?
1: So I I go back to um, what I referenced early on in the the monetary policy, looking to to just be a slightly easier, but but very much trying to support the economy, but also some of the changes in policy we've seen, this sort of deleveraging, the refocusing of the economy, the domestic resilience built into the China economic policy. Uh, And so I think, again, the very clear headwinds we've had from the regulatory change, from the concern around what that means for earnings, for multiples, for the economic development, those I think are starting to dissipate. Now is it a straight line into policy support and the economy starting to, to do better? I don't believe it's that either just yet. I think there is policy support in easing. I think that you'll see less of the direct fiscal policy um, intervention, which has been that regulatory moves and the and like. So taking away some of the headwinds, creating some tailwinds, but the economy is still slowing. So there's still going to be a bumpy ride as we see maybe the economy just um, starting to stabilise before it can pick up. But I think when you look at the markets, The degree to which the market had built in those concerns and is not discounting some of that improvement, I think means there's an opportunity when you look to China for 22 that some of this will see growing improvement and especially relative improvement for the reasons I've discussed around the different parts of the world.
0: So still a bumpy ride ahead, but um, the peak pessimism may behind us uh, with regards to China. We we can't end this podcast without a look at sustainability, which has been a dominating theme throughout the year. We've had a look at COP26, and that has bolstered a number of green policies, but it's maybe not all rosy and positive. So how should investors balance the opportunities offered by this trend with the short-term risks of implementation and energy price rises?
1: Yes, it's a very good question. I think it is a very difficult one for investors because clearly, as we look to the future, that the opportunity is massive investment, massive uh, repositioning to really capture the opportunity to develop the true green economies and everything that can be very positive with that um, through time. But it will be bumpy. Part of that is policy setting. You know, we've had a number of great pledges made from COP26 but the degree to which they can be implemented and the speed at which they're implemented clearly has a very mixed profile when you look country to country. There's also, again, the challenges I mentioned as we look to the US, the the midterm elections. Will they be something that supports the follow through on the pledges and what can be achieved? Because they they are genuinely very constructive, but they may be impacted by politics again, just um, acting as a very strong headwind to implementing fully. I think when you look to other areas of the world, and again, and I'm sorry, just to concentrate you know it seems largely on u s and China, but for China, it does feel like you know, the embedding into their national policy is really quite significant now, you know they have uh, what is deemed as the ecological civilization agenda within the national policy. And this is about this significant development of a green economy and not just move into how do they offset emissions, but actually how do they remove emissions? How do they really improve on their whole country as a place that can be run off of a greener uh, agenda and energy for the future? And I think that these things are really exciting. And for investors, I think they need to look at where the policy tailwinds are and to try and align to those around infrastructure, around some of the technology that we'll see, around some of the consumer activity that will pivot as well. But it will be challenging in the fact that this will not be a smooth and constant process. It will vary by country and by the degree to which we see those policy headwinds and tailwinds um, play out. And so, uh, again, I, some of the key things I've highlighted of where to look in terms of the, the trends and the sectors. But it will be something, I think, for investors that they need to actually think about active management's ability to look across the world and to be quite selective to so not think that it will be developing in the same way across every country and in every policy framework being the same as well for some time. Thank you, Andrew. That wraps it up for this month. And thank you for listening.
0: If you'd like to read more about any of the topics Andrew has covered today, please go to your local Fidelity website or fidelityinternational.com. And you can listen to plenty more on both our Fidelity Answers and Rich Pickings podcast channels. The producer of this podcast was Holly Eastman with technical support from Callum Blitz. From all of us at Fidelity, goodbye.